0: I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online. Here at Life Church Utah. God bless. You see, I am relationally driven. This is my life. This is, this is who I am. Relationships to me are absolutely vital. It's a core value in my leadership. I love to see growth in individuals and families to experience with them the, the joy of discovery of the things of God and to have an opportunity to partner with them as, as we grow, right? Because all of us need to grow in the Lord. And uh, this is what drives me and excites me. In these moments where passion and experience intersect, uh, it is these moments that make life so rewarding. And it's these intersections of life uh, that extend beyond just our own experiences and into the realm of the divine. And I love interacting with the Holy Spirit, love interacting with the presence of God. And uh, speaking of intersections, uh, also back years ago, we were in Minneapolis as well and spent about eight years there. And I remember distinctly getting a phone call out of the blue one day and somebody said, hi, is this Richard Wooten? And I said, yes, it is. I didn't recognize the number nor the voice. And uh, they said, hey, uh, I have your wallet. Wow, I didn't even know I was missing my wallet. So thank you for letting me know that, that you have my wallet. And uh, come to find out, we, we, we connected with one another. And uh, I said, you know, where are you? And came to where, you know, visited and made sure that I got my wallet back that I didn't know I was missing. Because I had a problem. Anybody ever forget something? Anybody with me on that? And so I had a tendency, had is a key word, because I never forget anything anymore as my wife is shaking her head. Don't look at her right now. Um... <laughs> I had a tendency to to forget where things were, and uh, so they told me. You know, and I went and picked up my wallet. Nothing was missing, uh, thank God. At that moment, come to find out that my wallet, somebody had put it on the roof of my car. I don't know who it was. Somebody put it up there. And when I drove home at some point, it had slid off into an extremely busy intersection on, uh, on 65. It's a main, kind of a main state road there uh, just in, uh, in Minneapolis. And it had fallen there. It had gotten run over and everything like that. But somebody had seen it sitting there Picked it up while they went through the intersection, stopped their car, opened the door, picked it up, and, uh, and then uh, found me, called me, and got it back to me. So I love those intersections of the divine and the mundane right to protect uh, me and all of that. So since then, I have this mantra. And I, I, it's okay for you to pick up this mantra if you would like it. Here's my mantra. And my, my, my family taught this mantra to me. Keys, wallet, phone. Keys, wallet, phone. Everywhere I go. So you'll hear me say, anybody with me on that, right? You have to have this mantra. Come on, keys, wallet, phone. Uh, In that street intersection, (laughs) divinity showed up (laughs) and saved my wallet. But obviously, there are far more divine intersections that I want to talk about uh, today. Throughout the Bible, uh, there are far more important intersections and significant moments where the divine intersects with the mundane, Genesis chapter 2. I'm a, a big fan of the beginning. I love going back to, uh, to those early chapters of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. says, these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had made it rain on the land, and there was no uh, man to work the ground, but mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. That's pretty cool. And I appreciate, by the way, all of the lovely mountain vistas and the clean mountain air coming up here uh, (laughs) while we are here right now. I appreciate that. (laughs) I did tell my children there are mountains. Uh, There really are mountains here in Utah. Then it says this, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed... The man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. From dirt and mud to living and spirited humanity. This intersection begins the entire journey that we see unfold for us in the Bible from beginning to end. this is where it starts that divine interaction between us and God himself. And from this initial spot, we see the presence of God at work in the people of God. God is intensely interested in the invitation that he gives for us as humanity to participate and work with him. So fast forward some time, a couple thousand years, and we're going to kind of make some really big jumps here as we, go through, uh, as we go through today. Fast forward some time, and we see again divinity intersecting with humanity in this powerful moment of transition. Long story short, Israel had been uh, chosen as God's people and they were in uh, Egypt in slavery for a lot of years, about 400 years they were there. The last 100 or so years they were locked into intense slavery and they were a broken people. Through a series of miraculous occurrences, a guy by the name of Moses leads them out of bondage in Egypt. We find that in the book of Exodus, right? And so we, we, we hear the story and we see what's happening there. They traveled for several months through the wilderness to what's called the promised land. And they make their way there, and that promised land had been, had been promised to them for generation upon generation upon generation. And on the cusp of entering that land, they, uh, that land, they sent 12 spies to find out if the land really was as good as God said it was. Well, it wasn't without difficulty, and 10 of the spies, they all 12, and they go out there, the 12 return, and 10 of the spies said this. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of its fruit. And they present uh, a bunch of grapes that it took two people to carry uh, between them. Uh, I've been to Costco. They have large groups of, of grapes there. Nothing like that. So that's a pretty astounding, uh, astounding thing. It says, however, verse 28, however, the people living in the land are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. Uh, read giants. We saw giants in the land. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev, the Hephites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. There's a sense of desperation in the people. There's a focus on opposition, on the barriers and not the blessing of the promised land. It sounds a lot like me at times. There are times when we know there is a future for us, a future blessed by God, but we take a look at the, the interim difficulty, right? We take a look at the things that are right in front of us, and that becomes the reality by which we live our lives. But there's an intersection about to happen. This intersection of faith, something divine being revealed in the hearts of two men, Numbers chapter 13, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people, this is Caleb and Joshua, two of the spies. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. They saw something different. Faith. In this moment, when the tide is turning against faith and leading toward the visible, Caleb speaks up. The visible, what they saw, they saw the giants. The visible saw the difficulty of conquering. The visible saw themselves as grasshoppers in the eyes of those giants. It saw what humanity was sure of. But they missed what Caleb and Joshua saw. They saw something unseen, they saw faith. And I love it because this ties over into the New Testament. I mean, they, they are speaking the words of the New Testament, which aren't going to be written for thousands of years. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And again, 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not give up. Now listen, this is, this is us, because listen to this. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, ever feel like you hurt in the morning when you wake up? Heard somebody who was shaking a salad lately, <laughs> and now she can't turn her neck. I mean, that's just it's shaking a salad. And she's like, that's what brings the 30s. What about the 40s? <laughs> the 50s? <laughs> right? Okay. So even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. <laughs> for a momentary light affliction is proceeding, or producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So you see Caleb and Joshua seeing the unseen. They see with eyes of faith and they see that God has gone before them. It's this intersection of faith and action that the divine inserted into the reality that Caleb and Joshua, Joshua see differently. Numbers 14, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. It's in these moments of intersection that we see the divine interaction with us, and choices are made in these moments. Choices made to see with the eyes of faith, or to see with these human eyes. Caleb and Joshua pressed the intersection of faith. They invited the activity of the divine into their moments. Now, we could spend all day finding examples in the Old Testament. Trust me, we could spend all day long <laughs> here in this and finding those places where God interacts with humanity through story. But I want to fast forward. Again, about 1,500 years now, again, so uh, this is a good thing. And it seems that hope is lost. Israel now is a conquered people, again. Uh, They're now under Roman rule and have been for uh, for a long, long time as well. It's as if the intersection of God and them has died, and God is silent. You ever gotten the silent treatment before? If you're married, have you ever done that actively in your marriage? <laughs> it's not a good thing, by the way, not a good thing at all. A man and his wife were having some problems at home and were giving each other the silent treatment. I've never done that, no way. The next day the man realized he would need his wife to wake him up at 5 a.m. For, a daily flight, or for an early flight he had to get to Sydney, so not wanting to, get, uh, not wanting to be the first to break the silence, because there's pride involved, by like the silent treatment, right? He finally wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 a.m. I mean, that's a way to handle it, right? The next morning, the man woke up, only to discover it was 9 a.m., and he had missed his flight. Furious, he was about to go see why his wife did not wake him up, and he was upset. And he noticed a piece of paper by the bed, it said, it's 5 a.m., wake up, <laughs> right? Silent treatment goes both ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament where it is totally silent, it seems like. God is not active. God is not out there. And it feels like God is giving the silent treatment to the nation of Israel. But that's not the case. God was putting into action and putting in operation and setting things up for what was to come next. Then an angel shows up to a young girl named Mary. The Holy Spirit will will overshadow her and she will give birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen of God, the very Son of God. God is no longer silent. In fact, the Lion of Judah is about to roar very, very loudly. (laughs) Jesus, born in humble surroundings, far from the throne room and centers of power, but in Christ, the ultimate Intersection. Absolutely divine, completely human, intersected in this moment. And I love this moment because it helps us understand this invitation that's given to us. Divinity, humanity joined completely within Christ. It's like all of creation is, has, lain in, has waited in expectation for this moment to happen. And then it's like fast forward happens and we see the life of Christ moment by moment by moment. This divine intersection happening. We find Jesus intersect the broken, those in heartache, those that are forgotten, those that are outcast. He touches the blind and they are healed. He touches the leprous, those who are untouchable. They receive the touch of the divine. He reaches out, gives hope to the hopeless. People try to frame sinners. Think of the woman caught in adultery, right? They try to frame sinners and Jesus shows compassion. He reveals grace and mercy. He gives of himself. It is this Jesus with whom we find this intersection of humanity and divinity fully expressed and we look forward to find our own healing. So many of you come forward uh, for prayer. Some of you, I'm sure it was for healing. Others of you, emotional things. Others of you, stress at work or maybe family issues. This is why we come forward, right, to intersect with the divine in these moments. And it's this Jesus that has for us today an interaction and an invitation. What time am I supposed to be done today? Whenever I want to? All right, this is good. All right. Can I have the band come back up? I don't think I asked you guys to do that, but can I have you guys come on back up here as we uh, finish up? Yesterday was an expression of this intersection of divine and humanity. Yesterday, the things that happened around there were not, double negative here, not non-supernatural. There were supernatural things happening all around us yesterday as we packed bags for groceries had those bags giving out to the to the to the young children. I talked to a mom. I uh, was sitting by the by the wall as a kindergartner going into school for the first time. That fearfulness and talked to her little daughter. Her daughter called herself Ariel, but her mom looked at her like that is not your name. But her da- that's what her name. Uh, that's what her daughter said. And uh, and she just loved the fact that this church was representing God to her little daughter. That intersection is awesome. You see, Jesus took upon himself our sins. We sang about it just a little while ago. We deserve the punishment that he bore upon himself. It should have been us on the cross. It should have been us. Instead, hanging in that intersection between heaven and earth is the Son of God, arms outstretched. Why did he do this? Why? There's no reason why he should have done this because we are sinful and broken. We choose wrong all the time, right? Remember what we said at the very beginning. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. And so this creation, unique among all the universe around us, is we who bear the image of God. We who bear that that special interaction between humanity and divinity That God would send his only son to die for us. To set us free from this brokenness and this sin. And to bring us freedom and healing and hope. It's in this church that we have the joy of God's presence. To impact a community. A city. A valley. A state. The cool thing is is life church has been an intersection in my life that i actually didn't even realize until i started looking back over in old old journals now uh when i was 17 i started journaling and to this day i still journal several times a uh, several times a week and uh, just write down thoughts and write down prayers and study and just little things that sometimes make it into messages and other times god says no 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 (laughs) that shouldn't be in any message ever So the date was uh, April 3rd, 1988. April 3rd, 1988. This is what I wrote. I said, Well, this is my first entry. It's a 17 year old trying to think like a dear diary. (laughs) You know, this is kind of weird. Um, What do I need to say in a journal? I suppose I will just write down what comes to mind. Today is Easter. Jesus died for our sins and then was risen from the dead. Wow, what a God that I have. Overwhelmed as a 17-year-old, I was still fairly new in my faith and learning who Jesus was. And this is then what I wrote: I said, "Church was fun today. The production at Valley Assembly was outstanding. The crucifixion scene was fab." How many of you were here in the in the 80s when uh, when that was? I get Masterminder, I think, or something like that. Um, I was here, sitting somewhere in this sanctuary pews I think were back then though um, sitting somewhere in the sanctuary and God moved upon a 17 year old kid's life touched my heart intersected in a moment where I saw God move in my life and I said every time I think of how much Jesus suffered I look at my life oh, God, I've suffered nothing think of who Jesus is the life that he brings, the hope that he brings to us as his people. And I love this intersection. Over 30 years ago, Valley Assembly of God, now Life Church, impacted me as a 17-year-old. While I might not know myself what tomorrow holds, what I do know is that right now we have a moment of intersection. We, as Life Church, and me, as, as consider me a special speaker at this moment, we have a moment of intersection. And I believe that God is here to bring that moment to us today. I do know that this invitation is there for us to interact with the divine minister to this valley, to present Christ through our lives, to heal, to encourage, to be hand and heart of Christ extended to the broken, to the outcast, to the forgotten. I'm going to invite us all to stand real quickly here as we close out. You see, when God breathed into Adam, into humanity, All that time ago, whenever that was, he breathed his spirit within us. There's that intersection. I think the decision for each one of us today is to ask ourselves this question. God, are we open to be in that intersection of the divine activity of God through us, just like we saw yesterday, but not only at a special event, but when we go to work tomorrow? When we go to Smith's (laughs) today to go get the food that we forgot to get because we're having lunch this afternoon at home, we forgot to buy something, okay? Are we going to intersect with God in those moments when we're out hiking? Are we going to have those moments where we come face-to-face with those who are broken and outcast and hurting? Will we have an answer for them? Will Will we allow the Spirit of God to operate through us into that brokenness? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.